0: Welcome to the Ponderings Across the Pond podcast with James and Christelle. This is episode 17, The Shame of Leaving Domestic Violence. It is an interview with Christina Ann in which she shares her story and a situation of domestic violence, of healing and recovery. Thank you.
1: We are here with my dear friend, Christina, who is a fellow San Diegan and someone who I have just absolutely fallen in love with her heart, her soul, her spirit, and her story. We've gotten the opportunity to share both offline and online. And I'm so excited to be able to ask her about her story today and be able to kind of dig into the nuggets of her heart. So Christina, hi, thank you for being here. Of course, I'm with my co-host James and partner in life. So both of you welcome, Christina. Let's start, with, let's start with who you are. Good
2: morning, thank you both for um, opening and sharing your stage with me. My name is Christina, as you said, and I am from San Diego. I've been here for quite a long time, originally from Hawaii. I am a single mother of three, making her way in this world and just really enjoying my path and my journey.
0: What's what's the what are you enjoying the most at the moment?
2: You know, really rediscovering myself, um, taking back my power, and we talk about the journey. I think you know, and specifically what we are going to be speaking about today is life after divorce and healing after in a an abusive and very dark period of my life. But rediscovering my passions, understanding who I am, and what I was
1: called to do. Mm. I love that. I want to go directly to asking you um, about overcoming the shame of leaving domestic violence, because that's a story that anyone who has left domestic violence can relate to. Will you tell us about that?
2: For me, The shame played a big part in the reason why it took so long to leave, why it took so long to share my story and to really um, forgive myself for all that happened. So prior to my marriage, I was very successful and accomplished and I did very well in school. I went to UCLA, I double majored. I had a very long career in corporate America. I was enjoying my life. And I was, I was, I was happy and I was living a life literally on stage as a company spokesperson and in the face of the public, by all outward appearances, I had everything, right? I had the house, the job, the children, but behind closed doors, it was a very different life. And it was a life that was plagued with emotional abuse, spiritual um, abuse, physical abuse, of course, and just all the things that, one could imagine and so living kind of a double life if you will and when i found myself in that situation of course you know i was a cooperative component in creating that reality and so me choosing to stay and try to work through things it actually i actually found myself in this hole of where i created this reality and now how do i get out from it without coming forward and not having my, you know, my judgment and my choices and just me as a, as a human being um, question, right? And even, even when it comes to parenting, um, having to grapple with the idea of coming forward with this reality and possibly even losing my children, that was a, that was a big
0: part of my fear. What did, the, um, what did the shame feel like on a day-to-day basis? I'm sorry can you repeat the question yeah, what did the, the shame what did that feel like
2: you know it was it was just complete darkness if you will um your my ability to believe in the choices that I made um not trusting in myself and my own value and the love that I had to give still and the value the how you show up right so you begin to question, or I began to question my role in it all. What had I done to provoke certain things and to um, basically be this cooperative component in the, in the reality that I had?
1: We do that, don't we? we? We find a way to blame ourselves in some of it, and yet we're not to blame How, how have you overcome not blaming yourself? Well, the healing process is a long, long journey, as you
2: probably can imagine. And it's a, it's, it's through layers. And so I've spent many years in therapy, doing things like EMDR, um, talking with a therapist and really working through balancing thoughts. Um, is one of the big biggest things for me along my journey recently and I think I shared this with you offline I'll share it again my my ex is is facing some charges um, for the, the same types of crimes and so really that was a validating point for me in knowing that this behavior continues even though I'm not in the picture and so it's not necessarily what I did to provoke certain things and bring about those behaviors because uh, you know I took responsibility for a lot of it. Had I not, you know, questioned certain things, they, a lot of times I feel like the abuser will turn the situation around and shift the blame. And so, you know, had I not done certain things, had I not opened my mouth, had I not complained, if I could only be a better wife, these types of things, right? Um, if I could change the outcomes. Yeah,
0: we we, we hear words like it's it's your fault that I did this.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, any number of things, and I'm sure that anyone who has survived through such acts against them probably heard things, you know, like even um, literally, you know, look what you made me do, or had you not done this, this wouldn't have happened. Um, I only told you to do X and now you know, why it's happening, or if you don't go looking for this, you won't find that. Um, so,
0: yeah. It's funny that we end up, it's like, feeling like taking responsibility for the actions that somebody else has taken to hurt us. It's just it's, just a, it's such a kind of abusive, terrifying dynamic that you're describing there. Um, and that somehow we feel shame in the midst of that, for somebody else's behavior towards us it's such a um, challenging difficult emotionally difficult thing um, um, is there anything else you would add about shame and those kind of feelings and you mentioned therapy mdr is a how how what maybe were some of the steps that you took to work through recover think differently you know th- those kind of that kind of thing
2: it was a lot of talking, I will say a lot of talking, a lot of journaling and processing of the feelings, I think, because of uh it you develop something that's called CPTSD, right? So it's it's many occurrences of trauma, right? Repeated trauma to to the person, and you your mind gets stuck in these certain algorithms and you get stuck in in this this place where you cannot physically um, it's it fight or flight, right? Um, but you're actually stuck in a mode where you can't protect yourself and you can't actually flee the situation. And so the brain tightens up and you can't process even quote unquote regular instant, um, occurrences in your life any longer, right? So at any any sign of something that could be a threat, you freeze up. And because your brain is so wound up and trying to protect itself and the body, it's hard to even process the thoughts and the feelings and, and the memories, right? And so I think that that's something that just took a lot of time to slowly peel back the layers. And throughout life, you know, when you when you get triggered, you discover even more pieces of you that need to be healed. And so it's just an ever-evolving process. And it's it's been since 2013. That I actually left the situation here. We are 2021, and I'm still processing, still digging up all the memories, but learning new ways to deal with those and, you know, just find beauty in every single moment of the healing process because it's, I think people think healing is going to be some, you know, glorious, um, soothing part of their life, right? Where everything is just rainbows and unicorns afterwards because it's something that's good for your growth, but it's ugly and it's painful and it's nasty. It's a lot of tears. And it's just that ripping through the junk that's all in there so that you can get to the good stuff.
1: Yeah, I'm processing the next question because I have a couple things I want to ask you. Those who have fled domestic violence have to work through such significant self-esteem issues and at the same time so desperately want to heal. And there's kind of two parts to this. On the one hand, we learn to build our self-esteem, and, but to heal, we have to dig in. Can you touch on that? And does that make sense to you?
2: It does. It does make sense. It, you know, and it's, I always take this analogy or this analogy, metaphor, I don't know. But I always think of it as, you know, going into your midnight garden, right? Getting back in there and digging into the dirt and all those pieces that you buried, all the pain, all the instances that you buried so deep so that it wouldn't hurt you on a day-to-day basis, right? It's, It's a way of surviving. Um, throughout that process of the repeated traumas. And in order for, I guess, your new garden to blossom, you can't just throw seeds in it when the ground hasn't been tilled and cared for. You have to dig up all those old roots. You have to dig way down and get dirty with it and sit with it and make peace with that. And that's just I don't know if that's making any sense or not, but that's just been the process, and it's really hard to articulate. I think in some instances, and in what that actually looks like, because it's not linear at all. Mm-hmm. And you know, at any given moment, right, you can be triggered, and then you have to deal with you know the emotions and the feelings that that brings up at that moment. Um, for me, it's it's still something that happens, you know, almost weekly. But through the therapy i have actually come to a point where i no longer have the nightmares. so that was one of the things that i had like the symptoms that i had for many years and it was um on a few times a week basis and so through the therapy I actually with the emdr after a few months of that the the nightmares had stopped for me but i know that um that's one of the things that i you know, it just kept bringing me back to the point you feel like you're just running in circles and circles and circles um, because it's repetitive, even though you're no longer in the situation itself.
0: Mm. Um, One of the things that people who talk about trauma say that it's that thing of the the past invades the present. And that feels like the nightmares that you're talking about there, like the present situation isn't the memories in the nightmares, but it invades into the present, and those triggers and those moments. And I guess, you know, um, you know, and as you say, like, tending to those difficult, like, layers in the garden, it isn't like a, a one-stop-shop thing. It's an ongoing kind of process. Um, and it's not an easy thing. It's like showing up every day to tend to it, to deal with it, to respond to it, to, to, to you know, therapy or EMDR or whatever it is, um, uh, I don't really have a question. I'm just sort of thinking out loud. So I might edit all of this out. Um, <laughs> um, so I don't know re- really where I'm going. I'm probably just saying, yeah, I agree. Do you know what I mean? That's all I can think of. Um, Christelle, have you got? Did you have anything? You
1: I, want do. To- I do. I do. I. One of the scariest things after leaving is actually seeking out um, help and seeking out therapy and beginning the healing journey, what would you say to other women or men who are just beginning that part of their journey?
2: Each moment, you have a choice to take a tiny step towards your healing, whatever that might be, right? Um, you don't necessarily need to go public with your story. You don't need to confess everything that's happened to people who actually know your face. That's one of the, I think the powers of social media and all of the connections that you can make um, without revealing who you are, um, making friends and like even on Twitter, right? Um, it, it's, it may not be the be all end all, but in those moments where you are looking for connection, that helps, um, and I and I say that because there was there was a time when I had anonymous Twitters where I would go on and I would seek out um, connection with others, and and I think that's the biggest thing for me is is understanding that you're not in this alone, you're not the only person that's ever made mistakes, you're not the only person that's ever. Um, suffered from domestic violence and as unfortunate as that as that is right as 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 special as your story is your story unfortunately isn't unique this is a trend it's an epidemic of, you know you talk about you know the pandemic um and this is what it is right and it happens, and it, it could happen next door to you no matter how quote unquote perfect the person's life looks on the main stage they can be grappling with so many instances of trauma you know from, you know, current spouse, previous spouse, or even through childhood, that we're all healing from something. And through that healing process, you learn about yourself, the soul's purpose, and really why you came. And it's not something that we have to go through alone, even though it is an individual journey.
1: I love what you said about making peace. And I would love to expand upon that because from a distance and even I've had the honor of being able to chat with you offline and we've had such beautiful conversations. So this is where I've gleaned from your wisdom and have grown from some of the things that you've done but the making peace parts of your journey, will you expand upon that? I'm
2: trying to even think what I shared with you at that point.
1: I'm curious. Like, no, okay. well, maybe change, maybe I'll change the question because I'm, what I love that you share is your walks through nature. I love that you share your spiritual, your creative spiritual journey. Um, new things that you're learning. Um, and I'm kind of watching from a distance and from our conversations, but um maybe I'll change the question. Tell us about where you go to find healing?
2: Really, I think that every single waking moment is part of my healing journey current, maybe throughout your entire life, as long as you're woke. Um, Personally, I, I find a lot of healing in nature, connecting with mother earth, connecting with the oneness without the noise of the world and the internalized judgments that we that we carry with us that hinder our progress getting back down to the core of it all who you really are and who are we really just different expressions of God's love and knowing that I think you get to a point where you you must make peace with all of the quote-unquote missteps and the the turns that you've made along your path. Now the path is, we talked about the healing journey not being linear, nor is one's life. And so you do need to take the detours and maybe what we think of as the missteps and the mistakes, because all of that adds to the beautiful mosaic that ultimately becomes your imprint on this world after after you leave. I think it's Wayne Dyer who talks about life as the mosaic and he calls our attention to the dark spots without those, the, the bright spots and the, the beauty of the final design wouldn't exist. And so knowing that as we go from mountain top to mountain top, there's a valley in between each. And while the valley may be longer for some and you know it is painful, that's what kind of sets us up for the ascent. And so the deeper the valley, the longer the walk, I think the more beautiful the peak. And that for me allows me to really process what happened, honor the valleys that, that I've been through, knowing that God was with me all the way. And if those were truly mistakes and things that I didn't quote unquote need to go through, he wouldn't have led me down there or allowed me to walk down there. Um, there was a long time in which I stopped speaking to God because of all the things that had gone what I thought were wrong in my life and I used to think that I was I was mad at God and because of um, I guess not protecting me from certain things but really it, it was a it was a time in my life where I was really full of shame shame and not choosing as I know he would want me to choose. And that's not to say that because I did all these wrong things, but I didn't choose to love myself the way he loves me. And just knowing that and growing through that allows me to be more at peace with what happened because I am choosing better today with what I know. And I'm showing my children who are really big part of my survival story. I'm I'm showing them how to love themselves better. And that's really all that I can do now,
1: right? That's such an important part of our healing journey. I remember people um, telling me that if I heal myself, your children will be able to see that part of you, or they'll be able to witness and experience you actually doing something that's never been done before in your family. Tell us about that for you, that maybe stepping into healing and maybe allowing your children to experience that alongside of you and what that even looks like. They were really the reason why I was able to step
2: away from it. Because I started to look at the example that I was setting and, and I know that, children learn by what they see it doesn't matter what they read what they see on you know on stage on on their friend's house they're going to look to their nuclear family as a base model and I have two boys and a girl and I started to think how will I feel in you know 20-30 years when they're grown starting their own families if my son's Abuse their girlfriends or their wives and or my daughter marries a person that's reflective of her father. What part will I have had to play in all of that in providing the example that this is part of normal life. Now, through the abuse process, I actually began to think that this was normal life because it was normal for me. In the very beginning, it was not normal, and I was riddled with you know, fear and denial, thinking this is not happening to me, it's a one-time occurrence, it's going to stop. It's not gonna happen. And then you, I think that's how it kind of unfolded in two years of it repeating and getting worse over time until you begin to question what's real and what's not. And this is, you start to accept that this is just your normal life. And so back to the original question of me knowing based on you know my previous experiences as a child and other people's relationships, that this is in fact not normal or the, not the quote unquote normal that I want for me, I had to put an end to it. And to this day, that's something that continues to guide my steps. Because here we are, right? After, after the abusive relationship, after the divorce, now I'm a single mother of three. It still guides my steps. What do I want them to see. So, you know, who I call in and who I form relationships with now is always going to be based around is this healthy, not only for me, but also for my children? And so it's just always leading and living by example. And quite frankly, because at least me personally, I tend to want better for my children. I think all parents want that better for their children. When you choose based on what's best for them, it actually guides you to make the best choices for yourself. And, you know, often when you're healing, you tend to lose connection to what that self-love is and how deserving you really are. But putting them first has helped me along that path as well, because I know that they are most deserving of, you know, the definitive love.
0: Have your your children seen you put yourself first and like in terms of you loving yourself? And so how do you think that, how do you think that might Transfer to them? Do they see that?
2: Yeah, healthy, healthy choices. So we talk about relationships as one way to you know live a healthy and um, stable life, right? But I would, you know, do you have a couple of days? The, the whole healthy lifestyle for me has you know transformed everything that I've actually I actually do. So everything from no longer drinking alcohol to adopting a vegan uh, diet to working out regularly. I, these things, I, I make choices to create the best life possible for me so that I'm healthy, I'm stable, and I'm emotionally balanced so that they, too, in turn, can do the same for them. I think a lot of moms especially go through, they, they have mom guilt, right? And they think, well, if I'm going to you know, put myself first and not my children's needs first, then I'm not doing the best thing. But again, we go back to how children behave through example. And so I look at the choices that I make for myself, thinking that they will probably emulate that as they get older and choose for themselves. How would I want them to choose for themselves? Would I want them to be last? Would I want them to be overextended, exhausted and pouring from an empty cup? Or would I rather them pour into themselves? So this outpouring of love and abundance flows into every aspect of their life.
1: I love that, Christina. What now? Where do we go from
2: here? You know, this is this is one of the very first times, right, that I have shared what has happened. I think even in the beginning, my stutter steps in in speaking, which is is quite weird. I feel because you know my a lot of my professional life, I I form through my speaking um, abilities, but. Continuing to share my story, I'm working on a book and I'm going to start pushing out more content and sharing more vulnerably and honestly about what has happened is for me personally going to evolve my healing journey. I think that's the next step because I've gotten to a place where I've worked through enough feelings that now sharing that with others is actually going to help me as I help them. And that's something that I, I feel called to do. I know that we don't go through the darkness and are saved, right? Cause I, I do acknowledge and I'm ever so thankful that I made it out and I'm going from surviving mode to thriving mode. I don't think that I was gifted that to just take that as my price for only myself and maybe for my children, but it's to help the others who are still living Um, within the darkness along their own journey because as you know um, you know we're always maybe a couple steps ahead of others and a couple steps behind even others but together I think that you know we can we can help each other and that's that's part of the mission the reason why we live through it at all.
0: Time. James, I'm
1: being silent, so
0: I don't... Silent. You're being silent. And it's unusual. I'm having to fill his face down. Okay, to well,
1: I'm, I'm being silent, so I don't overtake the whole <laughs> <laughs> I have one final question, James, but I'm, I'm letting you have a, a moment.
0: Okay, um, I'll start and I was going to say, is there anything else you want to say, Christina, before Christelle asks the, the final question?
2: No, <laughs> no, I mean, I don't know, no, that's really, this is really hard for me, I would say, um, you know, so.
0: I get it, I get that, I get and, that, I, Yeah. I get that, I, when Estelle was asking me questions, I, the edits on that one were tremendous because I couldn't yeah. think and speak and I hated asking, being receiving questions. I don't
1: know, Christina, you you don't know this, but James, the first time he ever told his story, he allowed me to, I mean, publicly off of writing it, but like publicly telling it, he allowed me to interview him for our our show. And that was the very first time he audibly publicly shared and with so much depth. Um, And that was somewhat recently. So he's only recently done this as well i'm um, gonna have
2: to go take a listen to that
1: yeah that was yeah. we could share the link with you but that was it's very very new and raw for him as well um the only this reason- is really hard
0: yeah mm-hmm. well it should yeah. it should be hard in some ways yeah um,
2: yeah which is exactly why i think i need to do it and um and i think because i don't know christelle had told you like, that yesterday texted like literally like i i my children have both bumped my um table and my second microphone broke um, yesterday and I was like you know maybe I shouldn't do it that was my original thing and then I'm like well I guess I could just you know use my airpods and and whatnot because but I was going to use it as a crutch and an excuse to extend it again and I just felt like you know I'm gonna reach for any excuse because this is very difficult and and also why it's so necessary yeah. I
1: know yeah
0: I was gonna, Go gonna say ahead. Um, in a way it's just a privilege to hear it and give you that space and um we want to honour that by leaving as many of your words in that you want us to leave in and not try and take over or try and turn it into something that it isn't, it's your story and and um that's really important I think. Um so but if there was anything else you wanted to add, like then do so at this moment.
1: Yeah. Then I'm, <laughs> I'm good. I think. I think, um, as, as I'm talking to you, Christina, cause it is fresh and new for you. I am having flashbacks of doing this with James too. And it feels very similar in some ways because it's such, it's that little baby seed that you know is like the step in each step. It gets easier and it just blossoms over time. And I, when I first started telling my story, one, I think I have a tiny bit of an advantage which only because ADHD makes it so I can't plan, I have to jump in. So what I tend to do is I jump in and, and like, oh my God, what am I doing? But I'm already there, so it's too late. <laughs> like, it's, <sighs> but yeah, it's, it's not easy to share. I think the first time I told my story, I thought I was gonna throw up, literally. Like, I was that terrified. And as yeah. you know, for years, because of where my ex was, he was, in a bubble that was very public. I was terrified, absolutely terrified. I couldn't speak. I couldn't speak up until lockdown. Um, And even then, I still didn't think I could speak because when I started speaking, he would send me text messages saying, you're destroying my life, how dare you? You're, you know, and I don't know why I'm telling you this but just like, I think that whole, like, it's so hard. It is so hard to go public and and be out there and be vulnerable. And so I I think I'm saying this because I back up what James is saying. We wanna honor your story and honor you. And it's so powerful. And your healing journey has been so powerful. And I already know, I already see you on the public stage. I already see you on the platform. I already see you writing and it's coming and I know that. Um, And I'm so excited about that for you because it's gonna be such a healing message for so many women. I always say women, but also men.
2: You know what's a difficult thing when you go, when you get triggered and or when you're called to speak on it and you're caught in this cycle of fear where you're unsure of even sharing your story and then the questions of the validity of it, et cetera, start to surface. Then you start to question, how much feeling have I actually done? How much work? Because, you know, when you're feeling all good about it, right? And you're like walking in, you know, nature or you're at the beach and you're like, yeah, like, I'm at peace, but then you find other things where you're, you realize that the peace isn't 100 with yourself and you start to question, you know, how far you've come. That, that's, that's the, the, you know, the things that run through my mind is staying realistic about how tough it's been through Um, to get even to the current stage. And I have girlfriends that know my entire life, like from when I was five years old, Uh, my therapist who's been with me for many years, we do have conversations where they have to pull back, right? And and then reiterate and show you a mirror of exactly how much healing has taken place because you get lost in the weeds and the day-to-day of everything that it's, you know, all I'm doing is trying to survive. You know, all I'm doing is, trying to make sure that my kids are safe and clean and fed. And you don't realize what heroic feats you've actually done to even get here because you know, back in 2013, it was, it was not this at all. And so it's, it's hard to continue to be aware and recognize and celebrate where you are just because um, you, know, you know that there's so much left to go.
0: It's not, it's not a tra- trauma recovery Olympics after all. No. Right. So you
1: go, yeah, and you go back to like the journey of the story is. The first step is even like an awareness, and then the other step of taking the step out. Like we're talking now, all these years later, but looking back at that moment, like leaving, and we've talked about this, Christine. I think it's you leave seven times before you actually leave forever.
2: That's the average, yeah, and you know it's it's and I, I think at, at the crux of everything it's that the emotional abuse part where you are so you you think that you're too weak to do so because there's other things right where people will think that they don't have a home to go to or they don't have the the monetary um, stability to make it after you know make it out on their own. And I can attest to this because I was financially stable. I was the provider, right? So it wasn't a money thing for me. I did have, you know, means to sustain my life with my children outside that he wasn't contributing anything, but what kept me there, right? It was, it's, it's a, a spiritual beat down. It's the emotional, um, the emotional abuse that comes with it much more than a physically, um, a, like a, a physical limitation, if you will, on how you're going to make it. And I think that's even more so reason to continue to share our story and shed light on what's possible because people will get caught in that cycle and some unfortunately never make it out. And it's, it's a mental thing more so
1: than anything else. I learned a new term that I now know, I think every one of us who have left, I believe had to overcome. I didn't know this is what it was called, but the trauma bond, which is like an addict leaving the addiction. I didn't realize that, but that moment of uh, not, it's not even a moment. It's the process of undoing the trauma bond. The trauma bond for me is what almost kept me there forever. And after leaving, it took me at least two years to take off, like get rid of that trauma bond. And I'll be super honest. I almost went back in the midst of the trauma bond. I mean, because of the games that are played, you know, in the beginning and that trauma bond thing is, I think one of the hardest things to heal from. Um, and like I said, I've, I've heard it compared to an addict overcoming an addiction. Um, and it's just unbelievable. I mean, I don't know that it's talked about a lot, that whole like emotional thing, like you were saying, the initial emotional thing, um, because we talk about women having to, do you have a safe place, first of all? Do you have financial means? Have you hidden away your finances? Um, you know, all those questions that, that we ask, but that, the emotional part, the trauma part um, is such a huge part of it. Um, I'm just reflecting on your words, so yeah. How did you overcome? I want to ask you this: How did you overcome that part, the trauma bond? The, how did you finally just like get rid of? I'm showing up. <laughs> how did you do this, Christina? <laughs> I, I
2: have a, a personality where I can I just pivot once I make that final decision. I did it with, um, you know, saying no to alcohol, like no longer drinking. I was, I, A point in my life where I just this is no longer what I'm going to accept and this is the program so that no longer fits within um, my paradigm so I did that with drinking I did that with turning to a plant-based diet it was just overnight boom just like that make a decision and just stick with it as Mm -hmm. your own personal law right what's good what's going to be accepted within your own reality and so for me there was, and I hope you're tra- you're tracking down this this has this answers your question. There was a particular physical altercation in which my children were witness to, and within that very dark moment, I came to a realization and a revelation that eventually my life would end here if I didn't put a stop to it. And so it was that point after multiple times of trying to escape and put an end to it. That, It was that aha moment, if you will, that pivot for me. I'm no longer, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. I don't know what it's going to look like, where I'm going to live, how I'm going to survive, how I'm going to keep up my corporate job, my travels and raise three young children all on my own. How am I going to do that? I don't know. I don't care about the how. I just know about the what. And so for me, it was just that pivot that made it... um, made it something that was feasible. And maybe because I do have like an addictive personality where, you know, like I talk about uh, the fact that I no longer consume any alcohol. When I did drink, I was really good at drinking and I went hard. And so I had to, you know, there's no, um, for me personally, there wasn't a, you know, two drinks and I'm good. I I had to go all in. And so I knew for me, I had to go all out. And so it's, you know, either I'm, I'm with it or I'm not. And so, that's how I eventually broke that tie of making the decision that that was no longer going to be my life and that everything that came you know, counter to that, I would have to say no to it. So there wasn't an entertaining of a going back and forth any longer after that point.
1: Mm. I have a final question, James, because we ended up talking a little bit more and we'll edit this appropriately, but I have a fi- the final question if you're okay with that. Mm-hmm. Okay, my final question for you, Christina, is I would love to hear your message for women who are still in the midst and have no idea what to do at this point and they just need a voice of hope.
2: So, To anyone listening to this that may be going through it, I, I just wanna remind you that God loves you, that you're worthy, and you're worthy of so much more than this. This is not what you were created to do. This was not your anointing. So when you're there and you're thinking about all the things that you have done or may not have done that led you to this point, just know that God still loves you, that is your source. And that is going to be your power. You are not alone in any of this, even if no other human being on earth knows what's going on with you and to you, God knows, and he's going to carry you through all those moments. You're going to need that extra strength to get you through it. And quite frankly, the reason why you're here is to get yourself out of it. That's the whole point. The whole point is the journey. And so take a step even if you find yourself back in it there's no shame in that knowing that it takes multiple tries to to relieve yourself of the reality that you currently live in god still loves you and it's still with you and it's going to be with you until you get to the next mountaintop
1: thank you christina for joining us today and sharing your story and sharing your journey and sharing a bit about hope and healing i absolutely adore you you know that james thank you
0: thank you thank you for listening to episode 17 of the ponderings across the pond podcast with james and christelle we are very grateful to christina ann for sharing her story in today's episode we know there will be many who listen who resonate with her story. Um, If you have found yourself uh, reflecting on your own situation um, and in need of talking to somebody or getting help about the situation, then we would encourage you to find a safe place, a safe person to do so. Thank you for listening to this episode. We would love it if you could share it, subscribe to the podcast, uh, if you'd like to support us and our work, you can do so on our Ko fi page. But thank you again, and that was episode 17 of the Ponderings Across the Pond podcast with James and Christelle. Bye for now.